Good morning. Certainly it's great to see each of you here this morning. It's an honor to be able to worship with you all on the first day of the week. I hope that you counted a blessing uh, for you to be able to gather together with saints to worship God on the first day of the week. Certainly it is a privilege uh, that is granted to us week in and week out. Visiting with us, we certainly are appreciative of your presence. As has already been stated, you are our honored guest. We invite you back. Any opportunity that you might have, uh, if you're looking to make uh, East Hill your church home, please don't be afraid to ask any questions. Find one of our elders or one of our members, talk to them, and they will do all that they can to help you. If you have any questions about anything that you see or anything that you hear, uh, please don't leave with, with those questions unanswered. Please don't go away with any doubt in your mind, but find someone, and they will do their best to get you an answer uh, to, those, to those questions that you have. Again, we're grateful for the presence of each of you here this morning. I do want to mention of something that's going to take place, uh, not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday afterward is our Vacation Bible School. It's an event that I look forward to every single year. There's been a lot of work, a lot of effort that has been put into this year already. We're grateful uh, for the curriculum that we're going to be able to use this year, and so I hope that you have plans uh, to be a part of this event. We're certainly looking forward to being able to explore the travels of the Apostle Paul this year, so I hope again that you're making plans uh, to be a part of that event. I hope that you're inviting your friends. Vacation Bible School is a great way to introduce uh, people who are outside of the church to the Church of Christ and what the church is about, and so I hope that you take advantage uh, of those things. Certainly we're grateful uh, for events like that. Also want to mention of something as well. We also understand this weekend is Memorial Day weekend. We're certainly thankful for all of those who have fought and served for this country, for the freedoms that we have and those who have gone on. We certainly remember them. We're thankful to them for their sacrifice and for uh, thankful to their families for the things that they have all had to endure. But you know, as I think about Memorial Days and what they mean and what they represent. I can't help think about how that relates to you and I as Christians, how every single week, every single first day of the week, we get an opportunity to gather around this table before us and to remember what our Lord and Savior has done. And I hope and pray that you and I don't forget that. I hope that we never allow the sacrifice of our Lord and what he has done, the fact that he rose on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of God and is awaiting to judge this world. I hope that we live with that in mind, and certainly that should affect the way that we live our lives, and certainly it gives us great hope in, in understanding the victory that you and I can have on a daily basis, and I'm grateful for that. You know, as we talk about God, it is simply amazing to me what our Father has done for His creation. What our God has done for you and me, it is simply amazing. You know, since the beginning of time, God's scheme of redemption or His plan of salvation as we might call it, His vision for saving mankind has been on display. In fact, you can look at Titus chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul said in verse 2, in hope of eternal life which God who promised before time. Plan of salvation. You see, before anything happened, God knew what was going to happen. God knew that before He even created mankind, there was going to be a way for mankind to be saved. His plan for faulty mankind, for sinful mankind, to reconcile with Him despite their sin, despite our sin, it's truly amazing. The fact that you and I with our transgressions, that you and I with our faulty actions, you and I with our sins that we commit, have the opportunity for salvation. And it's all because of one word, forgiveness. You know, forgiveness, I think, is quite possibly one of the hardest things that you and I have to live out 
as a person, as a Christian. It's one of the hardest characteristic traits to implement into our lives, just, I think, as humans, because as humans, it can be so difficult to forgive, can't it? It can be so difficult to forgive, because oftentimes, when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, it means that you and I are willing to set aside things like our pride. It means that we're willing to set aside things like our arrogance. It means that you and I are willing to set aside grudges or that we are willing to let things go in order to forgive. It means we take the high road and we allow things that have happened to us in our lives to be forgotten. Certainly, this is something that we must practice day in and day out because it is something that you and I understand. Yes, we extend forgiveness to others, but you and I have probably more often than we would like to admit, have needed to be on the receiving end of forgiveness. As we look at yet another parable of the master teacher this morning, I can't help but think about how this particular parable must have had so much meaning for our Lord. Because when we look at the life of Jesus, how personal this must have been for Him within His teachings because it perfectly lays out His forgiveness For you and I as His creation. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48, we understand that our Lord, our God, He is perfect and thus He Himself has never had to ask for forgiveness. He Himself has never done anything wrong to where He needed to have His sins washed away and yet He is someone who has time and time and time again needed to issue forgiveness to His creation. See, Peter came to our Lord here in this passage of Scripture and asking Him about forgiveness. And he's being quite generous. He says, Lord, should I forgive someone up to how many times? He says seven. Should I forgive up to seven times? And of course, our Lord famously replied by saying up to 70 times seven. It's interesting that number seven represents perfectness. It represents completeness. And obviously, our Lord using a figure of speech saying that you and I are commanded to forgive as many times as it takes. And on the heels of answering that question, he proceeds to dive into this parable to coincide with this lesson that he's trying to teach his disciples, his apostles, and you and I today. He talks about a man, a man who owed some 10,000 talents to a certain and specific king. That 10,000 talents equaling into our money today, some $16 million. This man was in great debt. This man was in great debt, a debt that was insurmountable, a debt that was really unpayable, a debt that was so large, and it was somewhat so unfathomable because the servant asks the king for necessary time to pay this debt back, yet he couldn't even comprehend it Because it was a debt that really he could never repay. That's how large it was. An impossible task. And so instead of selling the servant and selling his family and selling everything that they had, the king has compassion. The king has compassion upon this servant, the one who owes him this great debt. He forgives him of the debt and he sends him on his way as a free man. And yet that same servant... He goes to a fellow servant, someone who owed him some $15 in our amount of money today. And what does he do? He throws him into jail. And he says, you're going to stay there 
until you pay me back this small, this minuscule amount of money that you owe me. And in verse 32 and verse 33, the king finds out. He calls out to this wicked servant disgusted with him for not having compassion just like he himself showed the servant compassion. And in verse 34, the king delivers this servant to his torturers. Something far worse than having to just sit in prison. And thus Jesus is signifying really this whole point that He tries to drive home. That if you and I want forgiveness, we too must be willing to forgive. There are three things I want to point out this morning as we draw a couple of applications from this particular parable. Three things, very quickly, we'll go through them. I won't take too much time. God's willingness to forgive. When you look at Matthew chapter 18, this is a lesson that just crawls out of the page and slaps you in the face. That is how prominent it is. God's willingness to forgive. You know, it's amazing to me, again, when we talk about God. We look at His magnificence. We look at His attributes. We look at His characteristics. We think about His love, His joy, His peace, His grace, His mercy, His long-suffering, and so on and so forth. And things like those particular characteristics, they make God stand out. They make Jesus stand out so much so to where we begin to look at Him as an example for the way that we are to live our lives. We should be emulating all of these things in our daily lives. And yet one of those characteristics, one of those traits, those attributes, must be forgiveness. You see, God is perfect. We mentioned that a moment ago. Everything that God has done, He's done it for a reason. Everything that God has designed, it has been perfect. We think about His church. We think about salvation. We think about everything that God's hand has been in. His holy word, so much more. It is perfect. He makes no mistakes, and that's even true within His creation. You and I, we could go back to the very beginning. You think about creation, talking about mankind. Genesis chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. You and I are designed, we are created after a perfect being. Thus, by design, you and I are created perfectly. We are created perfectly, and yet within our own free will, within our own ability to make our own choices, we become imperfect. You see, you can again look back at the beginning of time. Adam and Eve failing at the first opportunity to grow in their morality, to grow in their morals, their ability to make the right and wrong decisions. They disobeyed. They were dishonest, and thus because of their sin, they became the first people who were in need of the forgiveness of Almighty God. You go from Adam and Eve. You go all the way through Scripture. You go all the way into the past and into modern times now. Some thousands of years later, and we have the same scenario, don't we? People, mankind, you and I falling into this category with free will. And because of our free will, we have the ability to make whatever decisions and whatever choices that we want. And oftentimes we make the wrong choice. Thus putting you and I in need of forgiveness. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, we understand every single person falls into this category. Every single person has sin. Every single person has shortcomings. Every single person has flaws in their life, that doesn't set you apart from those around you. 
But what does set you and I as Christians apart from the world around us, not that we're perfect because we're not. We have sins and mistakes just like they do. But what sets us apart is the fact that you and I as Christians are going to be able to receive the forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus has done for us. You see, you and I are in such great debt, are we not? You and I are in such great debt because of the sins that we have committed. You see, if it wasn't for the love of God, if it wasn't for God's grace, if it wasn't for God's mercy, there would be no remission of sins. There would be no sacrifice of His perfect Son. There would be no spotless Lamb that had gone to the cross and shed His blood so that we could have forgiveness of sins. None of that would even be possible. There would be no hope, no opportunity for heaven But I read passages like Colossians chapter 1, beginning of verse 13, where Paul said, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against one another, why? Even as Christ forgave you. You see, every time you and I make that selfish decision to go against the will of Almighty God, we stand in need of His forgiveness. And yet, even despite our selfish decisions, you can read through passages like 1 John chapter 1. You can read about God's faithfulness to forgive us if we confess those things to Him. It's all about the forgiveness of God that's simply amazing. At least it is to me. To understand that God, our Creator, a perfect being, allows us to be forgiven. And yet, unfortunately, you and I also see all too often people with an attitude and unwillingness that even though they have been forgiven, they're unwilling to forgive those around them. We talk about our grudges that we hold with people, our strife and arguments, our rifts that we have with those around us, the pettiness that sometimes we see. We won't forgive one another. Well, he, he said this thing to, to me so many years ago. She, she did this to me, and I just, I just can't get over it. I can't forgive that person for what they've done. And yet, you and I, time and time and time again, go to God, our Creator, so high and so holy, we go to someone to whom we owe a great debt that we can never repay. And day by day, we ask Him to forgive us and yet we're unwilling to forgive those around us. You see, within this parable, Jesus is contrasting the forgiveness of Almighty God with the forgiveness that you and I must give those around us. And we're going to get to this concept here in just a minute. But we want God to be so quick to forgive us, don't we? We want God to be able to forgive us at the drop of a hat, and thankfully He is. If you and I go to Him and confess those things to Him and ask for that forgiveness... God's promised that, and yet unfortunately when it comes to our brethren or to anyone around us, we hold on to grudges like a kid holds on to a cookie. We won't let it go. But when we do that, you and I also understand that we showcase a side of Christianity, we showcase a side of our faith that has nothing to do with being a Christian. We put on display an attitude that Christ never showed us. You see, our God has a willingness to forgive 
A concept that's completely unfathomable because of what God has done for us and because of who He is. Thus, we should be willing to forgive those around us. Here's number two. The second thing I want to pull from this parable is this. I want to think about the fact that God has a willingness to forgive us completely. God has a willingness to forgive us completely. You know, when God created this world, you and I know that He did so with such great thought. Such great intent. Such great planning went into everything that our God did when it came to creation. Like we said before, everything is perfect because God is perfect. Everything is as it should be. And I'm not talking necessarily about our culture and society. We know how messed up that has become today. But that is a product of sin. That is a product of people not making the right choices. But by design... We understand it's perfect. You see, God didn't half create this world, did He? He he, he didn't give us half of the things that we needed and then say, oh, go fend for yourself and get everything else that you needed. I'm not going to give you those things. He didn't put forth half of the effort. The promises that God has given to us, He doesn't half fulfill them or only fulfill some of those promises. In other words, you and I understand that God is complete. That God is perfect and thorough with everything that He does. That's simply His nature. That when He does something, He does it in full, and He completes it. And that's because He's perfect. You see, when you and I look at this parable, we understand this king forgives this servant of his debt in its entirety. Some $16 million, if you and I were to put it in our American currency today. No need to pay. No grudges held. No punishment inflicted. No hanging it over his head and saying, look what I've done for you. Just simply forgiven. You see, when God forgives you and I, how thankful we must be that He doesn't just pick and choose. Now, when it comes to our forgiveness, when it comes to us repenting and saying, God, forgive us, wipe our slate clean, God doesn't erase some things and then choose to leave some things there. You see, God just simply and wholly and completely forgives. And then He puts it in His past. He doesn't bring it back up. God doesn't lord it over us. He doesn't use it against us. He just simply forgives And then he forgets. Can you imagine on the day of judgment, going before the throne of Almighty God, knees trembling because of how powerful and magnificent God is, humbled, full of humility, understanding what God has done for you, approaching Him, and then God saying, or rather you waiting to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, and instead you hear, you've done well, but I only forgave you for half of your sins. I picked the ones that I wanted to forgive you, but there were some that just didn't sit right with me. So I didn't forgive you of those. We'd be upset, wouldn't we? We would be hurt. We would be sorrowful. We would be saddened. We would be afraid of what was to come. And yet, why is it that you and I are sometimes so unwilling to completely and to, to completely forgive and then you completely forget. See, too many times in life, you and I play the servant 
that had the enormous debt. And certainly that is who we are today. We want God to forgive us of a debt that we can never repay. And God has done that. We understand that because of our sins, we don't deserve a home in heaven with God, and yet that is exactly what God has done for every single one of us. And yet, when it comes to something that is so small, so minuscule, when it comes to someone else here on this earth, we're so unwilling to forgive. We're unwilling to think about passages like Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 32, where Paul said, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. You see, we've talked about the book of Isaiah before, and we can do a study on this later. But oftentimes, all throughout the book of Isaiah, it talks about how God pictures our sins, or what God does with our sins, and how it is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away, our God is able to take those sins, to put them in the past, and to forget them, and to remember them no more. That must be the way that we forgive others. We want God to completely forgive us. We want God to wholly forgive us, and then to forget everything that you and I have done. That's the attitude we must have for those around us. Here's number three, and this is the last one that we'll talk about this morning. When we think about the, the forgiveness of God, we understand, and this is the whole point of this parable, God's willingness to forgive if we are willing to forgive others. Now, I can't help but think that this to be the whole crux of really the ministry of Jesus. Because again, we think about what God has been able to do for us. God's willingness to forgive. In fact, God knew that he was going to have to forgive us when he created us. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, he gave us free will. And even from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve, he understood what was going to take place. He knew that Jesus was going to have to shed his blood. And yet he gave us the free will anyway. And he also gave us the forgiveness. You see, God didn't have to forgive. God doesn't have to forgive. God's so powerful. God is so holy. God is so mighty, so magnificent. And certainly God could look down his nose at his creation and there would be nothing wrong with that. God doesn't have to forgive and yet God chooses to forgive. You see, God's forgiveness of us is completely dependent upon our forgiveness of those around us. What happened to that, servant's, that servant whose debt was forgiven? Once he was brutally mistreated and unwillingly forgave his other servant. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 34, the Bible says the master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. You see, that's what happens if you and I are unwilling to forgive. Strife, pain, torture. Maybe not here in this life, but can you imagine our opportunity to go to heaven our opportunity to spend our eternity with God in heaven, but then missing out on that because we weren't willing to forgive the people around us. Don't miss out on heaven simply because you've chosen to be unforgiving to the people around you. All the while, God is completely and wholly willing to forgive you and I of everything that we have done. 
we understand that Jesus Christ is our example. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, we know what God has done for us. We understand that it's hard for us to fathom it, but we know what He's done. Let that be a lesson for you and I as we live our lives. And as we look at the way we should treat others around us and what they have done to us, we've needed the forgiveness of others. We have all needed the forgiveness of God. Be someone who is willing to forgive the people around you. As difficult as it might be, as hard as it might be, think about what God had to do in order to forgive you. God has done so far, so much more than what you and I could ever deserve, what we could ever imagine to be needing in this life, and yet God has done that for us. And within that whole idea of forgiveness is also the idea of salvation. God has provided a way of salvation for you and I if we just simply submit to His will and obey it. If you hear the Word of God, you believe it, you repent of your sins, confess His name, and then you put Christ on in baptism. Once you've done those things, you're a part of the family of God. Once you've done those things, you then have access to the forgiveness of God. Don't let that pass you. You let that moment pass, you go on your way, you're not a Christian, you're not a part of the church, you understand that you don't have the forgiveness of God. Maybe you want to take advantage of that today. Maybe you don't want to submit your life to Him, know that you can do that. You can come forward, we can baptize you in the water, you can know you're on your way to heaven. Maybe you're here and perhaps you have been forgiven by God. Maybe you are a Christian, but maybe there's something in your life that's not right. That's the thing about the forgiveness of God. It doesn't just happen one time and then it's over. You can continually ask God for forgiveness, understanding that true repentance is a change of heart, which leads to a change of action. You understand that you must now live your life in a way that is pleasing to Him. Maybe that's your case this morning. You want to make that known. You want to give your life back over to the Lord. Know that we can do that today. If you have a need this morning, won't you come? Together we stand and as we sing.